The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You found Financial Food for Thought. This is Mark Dowling. I've got Carrie Waddell with us. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Carrie. Yeah. I don't know if I can say that, though, right? I mean, it's not supposed to be a happy no, okay. but I think I, mean, I was yeah telling people it's a night you have a nice Memorial Day weekend and hopefully you're doing something. Yeah, and I think this year the summer of 22, the country is very somber going in mm-hmm. to this traditional kickoff of the summer. Mm-hmm. Right. Not only if you have lost somebody in the service mm-hmm. in in battle, you know the traditional memorial services, but also. We had the mass school shooting in Texas. Right. We've got a war in Ukraine. Bidenflation, demand destruction is just everywhere, Carrie, right? This mm-hmm. is what months ago on this show we were saying, yeah, they keep saying this inflation is entrenched. It's not transitory, but yet nobody seems to be worried about it. That has kind of changed, right? And then we heard eventually the Federal Reserve kept saying it they can control inflation. It can bring down inflation. And that's called demand destruction. Right. And it's everywhere right now. Right. Um, and I told you, Mark, before the show that the, the, one of the headlines this week said, since Biden said that he was, had a solution to bring down gas prices, since he had that speech, gas prices are up 35 percent. You know, so, yeah. And with the time we said, you know, the president cannot do a whole lot right. about gas prices, oil prices. It's it's a global issue. It's a supply demand issue. It's an OPEC issue. I could. It's a a, a Putin war issue. I could go on and on and on. Um, the coronavirus again, third third summer of the coronavirus, right? And that are we just now? Learning to live with it. I think, it, it. Well, I think we've been having to. You just have to live with it. Viruses don't go away. Um, the collapse of the sixty forty portfolio allocation this year. Now, so the 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 I don't think that the sixty forty is dead forever. Mm-hmm. It's dead, obviously, this year. The worst bond bear market and maybe ever. Um, yeah, g- g- gas prices. I think they're what Memorial Day. I think it's the highest ever. Right. Hmm. Um, I heard a stat, carry the other day that a minimum wage worker has to work 40 minutes in order to earn enough to buy one gallon of gas. Mm-hmm. That's um, ridiculous. The uh, And, you know, the, the we've been, the last few shows, you can always go back and store podcasts. Carrie, I know you're going to give them mm-hmm. information on the estate planning team here in a second. But. I, I was going over the fifty thirty twenty, which is a great financial planning recommendation or guidance for right. your recent college grads. The idea that you spend fifty percent of your pay on mandatory living expenses, thirty percent of your pay on more discretionary, and then to try to save twenty percent. But then you have New York Times reporting this week, Carrie, that fifty percent of New York cities, I think it is, right spend 50% of their pay just on rent. Wow. That group has no chance of doing the 50-30-20. No, what they need to do is take a remote job and move. They have no chance of ever buying a home. Um, Not in that area. Um, The the average age of a U.S. auto carrier, any guess on that? This is a wild average age of a U.S. that, that people v- keep that auto on the road right now. Uh, eight or nine years, twelve and a half years. Okay, that's not bad. I keep that's well, the oldest ever, Carrie. Really? See, I keep cars until they're not worse. Twelve and a half years is the mm-hmm. average. Usually, I don't just because I rack so many miles. But if I could, I would. Um. So you know, again, a very somber going in, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are saying are rethinking their retirement. 
mm-hmm. rethinking what type of lifestyle they can have in retirement. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've been trying to help our clients get their head around or get their arms around and saying, is the current economic conditions, this higher inflation, this potential upcoming recession, mm-hmm. or just the idea that, uh, you know, are are you ever going to have those golden years? Well, that's what we try to make model run models. And we've been saying if you if you're always just running the best case scenario, you you may be fooling yourself. Right. And one of the our philosophies is plan for the worst, hope for the best. Because if you've planned for the worst and know. One, sometimes we run a worst case scenario and somebody's still going to be okay. So they've sat at home or worrying about, I can't afford to retire or I'm never going to be able to spend these things. If I do retire in reality, they're going to be fine. But they didn't know because they didn't have a way to know. And other people really need to adjust. Um, But then it gives you a clear picture of how do I need to adjust over what time frame, how much it gives you, puts you in a decision making and action mode. Right. And as opposed to how fear has a tendency to paralyze you, right, from, from not making any decisions, just shutting down. Right. Right. Um, and, and be more proactive in your planning. Well, so, but also don't miss opportunities. Right. We have a very complicated tax code, but they're in that complication. There are a lot of opportunities. So today, Carrie, I'm going to talk about health savings accounts. I thought you were going to talk about opportunities with Roth conversions in the down market, which we have mentioned we've, on this show talked, over and yeah, over again. We, we recently talked about that, and it, it's yeah, and that is always something we talk to our clients. We and we have clients who are implementing that strategy right now. Um, but there's a lot of T's across and I's to dot there as well, especially if you know you need a way to determine the level of Roth conversion that you're doing, what is that going to do to your current taxes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or if you are already RMD age, and you, you have no rules about how you need to get your required minimum distributions done first before you could trigger a Roth conversion. Um, you need We talk about the five-year holding rule for Roth conversions, which is especially important if you're below 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of, you know, things to know there, and it takes coordination of effort. But we also got some data this week. We've got the the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation indicator, which is the personal consumption expenditures index. Right. right? So we'll go over there. We also had the a GDP read. So we'll look at that. Um, and then again, I'll I'll talk about the HSAs, the health savings account. We get a lot of questions about those, Carrie, and, mm-hmm. and I understand that not a huge amount of the population is utilizing them. But more and more, I guess maybe not that, Carol. I guess what I'm trying to say or what I've learned over the decades is that when a new client comes into us, it's certainly one of the things we discuss. Do you, you know, what's going on with your health insurance, including do you have a, a health savings account? But for those, a very high percentage of new clients coming in this who are utilizing or have the availability to utilize an HSA. Mm-hmm don't really understand the rules. Right. And no one's helping them with that. Um, And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. And then also we had the Davos, you know, the World Economic Forum, Carrie. And, and, you know, that's, that's of course, you know, where the billionaires tell the millionaires what they should be thinking. Right. Right. Um, But what are they saying? What, what, you know, and, and what's unusual in the summer of 22 is normally Davos is taking place in Switzerland in the dead winter. Right. Um, But because of the Rona, right, it was now pushed into the summer. Mm -hmm. And so what, what did, what came out of Davos this week? In terms in the summer of 22, the somber summer of 22. Right. So get us started here. All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational talk program talking about issues that can impact your financial life and talk about choices that are available and concepts, hopefully, to make you more aware of things you can control in a world, certainly, where there's a whole whole lot of things that you cannot control and we are sponsored by the estate planning team 
which the estate planning team has been around Cleveland more than 35 years and is an affordable fee-based fiduciary planning firm. And we do financial modeling, number crunching, objective analysis, so people know, you know when they can retire or if they're in retirement, how much they can spend without running out of money using conservative realistic assumptions. And certainly people want to look at worst case scenario, especially if you're approaching retirement, including teachers that may not have had a rough school year and maybe winding down or done already this week and don't want to go back or want to know if they can go back, but we can model in different inflation rates. Uh, maybe you want a higher inflation rate, uh, a recession with slow growth recovery. Um, we can model in all those different variables and help people analyze um, what growth rate they need to accomplish their goals. Are they taking on more risk than necessary, especially with a, a market volatility and just giving people clarity of steps they can take to protect their long-term financial stability and help with those financial decisions so that they understand how that decision affects the long-term outcome so they can make informed decisions. And we offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation for people who want to learn what we do and how we might be able to help. And I said earlier, if affordable, but we have hourly planning options if people need a little bit of help. And we have comprehensive retainers if people want help through the analysis recommendations and help by step by step through the implementation process. You can call the estate planning team for a free consultation. We'll get back to you on Tuesday morning because we are closed on Monday. Um, you can call 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So let me just sprinkle in some Davos notes here. Carrie. Okay. So, so one of the things that was who was missing this year from Davos was one Joe Biden, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know that he's the, a well, he was necessary. Well, remember when President Trump? Remember when he he made Davos of the year he was there, twenty twenty, right? 2020, right? It, I mean, nobody cared about anything about about Trump and, right. when he was there. Biden didn't even go. I was going to say. Uh, I mean, I don't think he even sent a contingency. I don't think they even want Biden, wouldn't want Biden to go. The other missing in action was China. Mm, that's interesting. Because of their shutdown, you know, the Rona shutdown. And so now what re what was, you know, Ukraine, Zelensky, you know, made right. a, a speech. And, and uh, George Soros was there, Carrie. Okay. Ugh. Um. So George Soros had a uh, kind of a depressing message for everyone. Well, he's not. Well, I was going to say I'll make warning, some comments, but I don't. Yeah. I... Warning, civilization may not survive Putin's war. Um, uh, and so, he sure helps civilization not. I, I mean, wow. So what did George have to say? Other issues that concern all of humanity, fighting pandemics and climate change, avoiding nuclear war, maintaining global institutions, have had to take a backseat to the struggle. George Soros, 91 years old, Carrie, still going to the world economic form. Um, that's why I say civilization may not survive. Um, the persistent lockdowns in China will disrupt supply chains, which could keep inflation around the world elevated and create a global depression. Um, so he wasn't too big on the world outlook, right? Um, mm -hmm. Cloudfare. Um, they're a cybersecurity firm, Carrie. That okay. for some reason they love Davos. They they like are known for having the best Davos parties. Okay, you know if you get invited to their party at Davos, you know I've, okay. I haven't been there myself, but the uh, so this year I know they were bringing in uh, one, one of those big new groups. I don't know the Chain Smokers. I don't really. Oh yeah, I know that group. Yeah, That's so, they've been around a little. So while. Cloudfare was hiring them. And a flying group them. I know that Mark doesn't. <laughs> well, I, I think I know one song where they collaborated. <laughs> if you can pull up one of those, I don't know. Um, so what did they have to say? Um, okay, we haven't had a true recession in you know in, in the last twelve years. We're probably long overdue for that. Um, the first quarter of 2022 across the entire tech sector was one of the toughest quarters any businesses have had since the first quarter of 2020 at the start of the pandemic. I don't think we are going to bounce back as fast as we did with COVID. Now, Carrie, okay. that's the point I've been making, too. The COVID recession 
had a V-shaped recovery or right. more technically a K-shaped recovery. For a lot of people, their portfolios and their life came back very good. Their businesses right. came back. They came very strong. For a lot of people in this country, it went did not. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was really a very you know, K-shaped type of recovery. Right. But in either case, for the ones that came back fine, it came back quick. Right. All right. Um, I don't know if the next one is going to go that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what he's saying here. I don't think we're going to bounce back as fast as we did with COVID. For us, that is actually not, okay, it's a bad thing because of what they do. All right. Um, just saying, you know, across the world, he knows, he sees the business budgets are getting tighter. How about Intel? Okay. So okay. CEO Pat Gessinger was at Davos. Um, he said, I think there is a slowing. People are fighting inflation. There is going to be a tightening of monetary policy as well. I think these are all natural. Clearly, we have Shanghai port shutdowns. Europe is trying to figure out what it looks like with the Ukraine situation. So I think there is a general softening and general tightening of policy. We think that it is probably a couple of quarters in front of us. So again, is that that that's that bumpy, that softish landing, not a soft land, you know, and, and we'll see. And could we slide into a global recession? Quite possibly. Um, how about Chegg? Do you know what Chegg is, Carrie? C H E G G. That's like an the educational, student, yeah, educational loan. Yeah, right. and they have like searches for colleges. And... Yeah. So Dan, they weren't around when my kids are going to college, right? mm-hmm. but Dan Rosenwig is the CEO, and he's done a lot of things prior to that. But that's his current endeavor. So what did he have to say? I think all of us would admit that we don't know what the current macro environment feels like. We had the pandemic. Then we had back to work. Then we didn't have back to work. Then we had inflation. And then we had wage inflation. And then we have a war. I think anybody that is trying to predict things based on old barometers will get it wrong. I do think the consumer is going to slow down, but I don't know by how much or for how long. I do think we are experiencing it already. As costs go up for businesses and consumers, they will have to spend less. I just hope it doesn't reach stagflation. Mm-hmm. So, so that's some of the. I think that's more realistic because there's so many unknowns and there's so much going on in the world. Right. So we we've got some GDP reading. We so we got the second read on the first quarter GDP. So remember, Carrie, they the government you know comes out with three readings on right. GDP. So the first one. It came in at for the first quarter was negative one point four percent. That was the Ouch, you know, that's according a, to the technical want, right. uh, you know definition of a recession is two consecutive negative GDP quarters. Not everybody uh, believes that either, Carrie. Right. A lot of people think it has to go beyond that. It has mm-hmm. to be other economic down you know right you know pessimism as opposed to just the GDP growth. Okay, so we got the second reading. Came in at negative one point five percent. So it wasn't. <laughs> so coming in a little bit worse than the the first time round, right? So the first reading was negative one point four percent. The second reading negative one point five percent. But how about the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation indicator that we mentioned? They don't really like to to look at CPI, which what a lot of them, people are more familiar with. They look at PCE, the personal consumption expenditure. They believe it better reflects spending that's really going on in the homes. Um, so and the, here's where everybody has been waiting to see if there's indication, if the data is indicating that the inflation has peaked. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and w- this month's PCE indicates that okay all right um so for the headline number for april year over year came in at 6.3 percent so let's go back to the beginning of the year and see the trend now this is the headline number year over year so in january it was okay 6.1 percent okay everyone was feeling Mm -hmm. good but then in february it was 6.4 percent Oops, maybe things are getting Not worse. Not so good. In March, it was 6.6%. Mm. 
Okay, meaning inflation. There was indication inflation hadn't peaked yet, but now here in April, tipped back down to six point three percent. Okay, now, but if you look at the month over month, that was the real decline, and a lot of times that's what Fed Chair or President Biden will look at. Will try to spin it and saying. Let's not even look year over year. Let, let's get the more recent trend. What's month? What's happening month over month? Mm-hmm. All right. So, for example, in March, it raised eyebrows because it came in at 0.9%. Okay. Where the previous month, it was 0.6. And then January. So, in January, it was 0.6. February, it was 0.6. March, it was 0.9. That was a big jump. Well, in April, it came in at 0.9. Two, hmm. okay, which was a substantial decrease, right? Um, now, the Federal Reserve doesn't even look at the headline. Well, they look at it, of course, but they like even more the core PCE. You know, when you back right. out this volatile food and energy, and we've talked, we've debated on this show why you can make a case you should do that, or why you can make a case you shouldn't. But that's what they look at. They're smarter than me, Carrie. Right. Uh, so core. Okay, so year over year for April, core came in at 4.9%, better than the previous month, 5.2%, which was better than the previous month, 5.4%, mm-hmm. which was better than the previous month, 5.5%. Right. So since the beginning of the year, you've gone from 5.5 to 5.4 to 5.2 to 4.9. That's a trend that shows perhaps inflation has peaked. Right. Okay, how about month over month? Well, month over month, core PCE was 0.30. Same as the previous month, 0.30. So it didn't improve, but also didn't Didn't get worse. worse. Okay, Uh, since the beginning of the year, it was 0.5%, then down to 0.4%. Now it seems to have, you know, flattened at 0.3%. The Congressional Budget Office also is now claiming, or they're, they're saying that, they think that inf- you know inflation has peaked. Um, they expect inflation to slow to a four percent pace by the end of twenty twenty two. You know that's they're they're believing in that now. Um, CBO boosts U.S. GDP growth estimates, says inflation has topped and will cool to two percent by twenty twenty four. So the CBO is somebody. Remember, I'm already saying, does anyone else but Fed Chair Powell and the central bankers believe that they can get back to their target two percent inflation? Mm. Well, a CBO does, right? So there you go. Um, they think it will get there. Um, I think uh, other. I think it'll be a long road to get there. Right? Yeah. I, well, twenty twenty four is that a long road? Uh, I guess if you're paying higher prices, that is a long road. Um, is it a thirty year retirement? Is a long road? I don't know, but uh, you know now consumer sentiment is basically I think at about a three percent long term inflation. So they, I don't think most U.S. consumers today believe that we're going to be down to 2% by 2024. There are more at three. Now, we've been talking on this show what, how we help clients. Again, it's a good example. Well, what if you want to run a worst-case scenario, maybe you want to use higher entrenched inflation for the next few years, maybe even higher than or currently maybe the four to five percent or maybe you want to scale it down maybe you think it'll be you know seven percent for this year six percent next year then five then three you know and, and the beauty like of our plans is you can use whatever variable you want over it's not doesn't have to be a static variable ongoing right um but it does show that there is indicators that saying that perhaps inflation has peaked out um, now, well, that's good news, right? Now, but also we got the Federal Reserve minutes this week, and they're still stating that they are tightening. You know, they, they and, and see, Carrie, that's that's the problem, right? In other words, that's why a Mixed lot of signals. Well, <laughs> well, a lot of people why said that the Federal Reserve waited too long, right? To right. tighten, um, because it, the idea is it would looking now. You could say you're looking in the rearview mirror at this point, but. It would have been better to start their tightening carry when GDP was still going strong. Mm-hmm. You know, people were still spending the stimulus money, right? And and then we had a beach ball bounce recovery. That's the time where it would have been the 
the time to start tightening. But now they didn't, and so now they're behind the curve a bit. But now they're going to have to be tightening if while growth is slowing. Mm-hmm. And that what could lead to what Fed Chair Powell is saying, maybe a soft landing is no longer in the picture, but a softish landing. <laughs> He's so very careful on how he chooses um, his words. Or why a lot of economists believe it's a recession. That's the that's what you know they're gonna they're gonna have to do that. Um, so, so that's the idea. Now, if you so we have clients when we're running their economic models, we're doing a worst case scenario carry where we're actually modeling in both of those scenarios. Where not only do you have higher than tra- you know traditional inflation. Maybe not forever, but maybe right. for the next few years. But in addition to that, a U.S. recession. Okay, we, so so, and and typically a U.S. recession brings along with it a major stock market correction. I think in the last, you know, I don't know how, how many recessions. I think the average S and P has decreased is about twenty seven and a half percent. Now, I'm not saying that you're a hundred percent in the S&P 500 or 100% in stocks, right? Um, maybe you're still following the the 60-40 portfolio. Maybe you're even more conservative. Maybe you switch to a 50-50 portfolio. But let's say you were still at a 60-40 portfolio, and let's say you're thinking, oh, maybe it'll be a 25% decline that I could be facing here in the next 18 months. Some of that's already happened this year, right? Um, you could say then, well, I'm going to eat 25, I'm going to eat, you know, 60% of the 25% decline, that's a 50% decline. Um, depending on what you're doing on the fixed side, you know, you may be down, you may be in cash where you're not down, you may be in, uh, you, you know, bonds are down, maybe you're in, um, maybe you're in fixed annuities that aren't down, you know, it depends on where you're at. But in either case, you're saying, okay, I'm going to model in not only higher inflation, but I'm also going to assume a 15% loss as opposed to my 5% gain that I, mm-hmm. uh, that I, my plan A was estimating. And then the second year, maybe 0%. I don't know if it's going to be a, quite a, a, a V-shaped recovery like we had in 2020. Maybe it's one of the ones that it's a little bit longer than that. So then the sec, so you, you mark the downturn in the first year, then you mark in the zero or low growth second year. Then maybe the third year, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So maybe you're back up to 2 to 3%. And then by the next year, you're back to your five. That's just an example of how you would model in the next economic downturn. Now, when you put that into your plan, now you can now you say if I'm keeping all my other assumptions the same, in other words, you're not changing your retirement date if you're already retired, you're not canceling your riverboat cruises or you're still planning the new home or you're still planning to pay for your daughter's wedding or all these other discretionary spending items, we want to see your plan A was working prior to this, these bad things happening in the economy. Is your plan still working after you've modeled that in? And the beauty, as you had mentioned earlier, is that we're just doing it on paper. It's leaving you in decision-making mode. And, and that says, okay, now you know, okay, I'm still going to be okay, or maybe I'm no longer in the ballpark for having my money last to age 90. Do I hear 95? Do I hear 100? So this is how we help you. Remember, we always say it's not your parents' plan. It's not your neighbor's plan. It's not your coworker's plan. You have to kind of sharpen your own elbows and determine, okay, how, you know, let's run some different scenarios so I can be in decision-making mode. And by the way, if you do have to make adjustments, then you're in a position to say, okay, how much do I need to adjust? Do I need to work one year longer? Do I need to work three years of part-time longer? Do I need to, can't, can I not do my winter getaways for the next 10 years? I can only do them for the next seven years. Those types of, but those are the types of proactive where you can now 
look and say, okay, how do I get back in the ballpark? Right. And it could even be timing of social security, making those other decisions. How do I make a different choice? And we may run parallel plans because creating that income tax efficiently and minimizing taxes and watching those Medicare thresholds and looking at IRA distribution, effective distribution planning, Roth conversions, all can put more money in your pocket and can make that money last longer. And whether you need a little bit or a lot of help, you can find out and call the estate planning team for a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation by phone or in person. You can give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, listen to Mark Daly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And over those decades, Carrie, I, I don't know if we've had a more somber summer Memorial Day weekend than this one. I mean, obviously, and you know, because right. really, you know, 9-11 happened right. after Memorial Day. Um, yeah, and the Great Recession, I guess, perhaps. Right. Um, but what have you? It, you know, now, now, but demand destruction is everywhere, Carrie. Right. Here's some gas prices have soared so high, the U.S. is now seeing demand destruction ahead of the summer driving season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Pending home sales slide for the sixth straight month, slowest pace in nearly a decade. Which is okay. Well, as interest rates have gone up and you think about how the housing market was booming, it can't sustain that. A wave of layoffs is sweeping the U.S., okay? Uh, Carvana, Wells Fargo, PayPal, they all announced layoffs. Well, they, other places are looking still. <laughs> Look how many jobs are out there and good jobs with... For the time being, Carrie, right. that's that. That's the... That's the... <laughs> how per- precarious that this right. economy is right now. Um, demand destruction will cause layoffs, which causes higher unemployment, which leads to the stagflation. That is what, you know, the best, you know, we need people to go back to work. We need productivity. Right. And and we need not to lose consumer confidence, the self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what's... Well, that's hard with those gas prices and grocery store prices to not lose consumer confidence. Walmart, Target, foreshadow more consumer stress and trouble ahead for economy markets. Okay. Why are gas prices still going up? I think President Biden asked that question, didn't he, Carrie? He was going to fix it, remember? Um, He made it. His comment, yeah, didn't help at all. Why gas on prices will stay high? I don't understand the gas prices right now, Carrie. I really don't. Um, You know, if you... You know, typically there there was a there was an old kind of rule of thumb that said that for every ten dollar increase in a barrel of Brent crude equals about a twenty five percent increase in a gallon of gas at the pump. Carry right. Mm-hmm. That's that's thrown out the window right now. Okay. That because right now we've got. I mean, they're they're saying there's a lot of people saying now six dollars a gallon, right? Is very possible. Well, I think isn't that six dollars in California right now? Yeah, but that's or pretty California. close. Yeah. Um, how much is it right now? Around here, almost four fifty. I got a, I got gas this morning. It was like four forty nine. Okay. So <laughs> typically, to have four dollar, and, and what is Brent crude at right now. I don't know what it is this morning, Carrie. I, I think it was. I don't know. It was hovering around one hundred twenty-five dollars a barrel, right? Um, well, typically to get the four under this ten-dollar increase or twenty-five percent increase in the pump, we should be Brent if, if to, to support a four-dollar, five-dollar price at the pump gasoline. You would under the old standard, you would need Brent at about one hundred forty to one hundred fifty dollars a barrel. Which isn't, it's not that. No. Um, and to get to $6 a gallon, you, you, what, it went $170, $180 a barrel. So that's why I don't understand it. I guess it's different this time, Carrie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So the former Obama um, Council of Economics advisor, the, Jason Furman, was at Davos, Carrie. Okay. Um, and what was he having to say? I really didn't get. He was talking about the sacrifice ratio. 
That the sounds che- that sounds cheery, doesn't it? Okay. The, in the in the somber summer of twenty two. Yeah, the sacrifice ratio. So, and I don't know. I mean, typically. Um, so let's hear here the definition or the, this is one definition. The sacrifice ratio is an economic ratio that measures the effect of rising and falling inflation on a country's total production and output. Costs are associated with the slowing of economic output in response to a drop in inflation. When prices fall, companies are less incentivized to produce goods and may cut back on production. The ratio measures the loss in output for each 1% change in inflation. By examining a country's historic sacrifice ratios through time, a governing body can predict what effect their fiscal policies will have on a country's output. I feel like they should have called it something else. All right. Um, what, do you have a better name for it? I have to think about it. I can think of, I'm sure I can think of something, sacrifice ratio. Jeez. But Jason Furman he was he was spinning it a different way. He he referenced the concept called sacrifice ratio, but he says it measures how many years of unemployment would cause the inflation rate to fall by one percentage point. And he was saying that in the 25 years before the Rona, the sacrifice ratio had been six percentage points, meaning one year of a six percentage point jump in unemployment or two years of a three percentage point increase in the jobless rate would be required to knock down inflation by a full percentage point. That can't possibly hold up, Gary, because if, if I mean, if right now inflation running at a five percent handle, let's say, um, you know, what do we say? The core CPE came in, PCE came in at 4.9, Gary, right? Mm-hmm. So, so let's say it's running at a, at a 5% right now, and the Fed wants to get down to two. That means they want to reduce inflation by three percentage points times Furman's six. That means unemployment would have to go up 18%. That doesn't make sense. What's he talking about? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand his fuzzy math. So I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay. But yeah, that doesn't make sense. And regardless is, how is it going to, I mean, all of this news is one thing, but how is it going to affect me? Certainly you need to be even more aware if you're thinking about, which we have a lot of people coming in that want to still retire this year or thinking about retiring next year, which it's even more important to look at these issues. Or if you're retired and you're looking at, spending and things that you'd like to do, but you're not sure because you're worried. Um, And that's what the power of planning and, you know, going through the steps of having a good detailed financial model will give you. All right. So I said, I'm going to show, let's talk a little about health savings account. Now we get a lot of, you know, again, we get a lot of questions from our clients who are participating or they know they have the opportunity to participate. Not everybody does. Mm-hmm. But at least, um, but the reason why I'm bringing it up is because the House of Representatives put forward a bill that was going to make major changes, okay, to the health savings account, especially for retirees. And, but let's first talk a little bit about the basics, Carrie, right, of a health savings account. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, Health savings accounts. Now, there's a lot of types of medical savings account. There's flexible spending accounts. Right. There's uh, medical spending account. And, you know, this is a HSA, right? Are available to you when you're enrolled in a qualified high deductible health plan. And of course, the IRS defines what is considered a high deductible plan each year. The thresholds increase. For example, not every year, but mostly by inflation factor. So what are the what are the current rates right now for for 2022? Now there's two plans. You're either in the single plan or you're in the family plan, right? So for 2022, for the single plan, the annual the the minimum annual deductible, hence the high deductible plan, has to be one thousand four hundred dollars. Okay. By the way, in 2023, that's going up to one thousand five hundred dollars. Okay, so they've already announced the 2023 numbers, Carrie. 
Okay. Now, if you're in the family plan, the for 2022, the minimum animal and why am I having trouble saying that, Gary? The minimum annual deductible is twenty eight hundred dollars. Okay. Um, going up to three thousand dollars next year in twenty twenty three. Okay, and then you also there's uh, there's a annual out of pocket expenses required to be paid other than for premiums can't exceed a certain level. So there are also parameters on that. So again, for 2022, for the single plan, that's $7,050. That's going up to $7,500 next year. And for the family plan, that's $14,100 going up to $15,000 next year. So well, why do we love HSAs? Well, it's because of the triple tax advantage. Okay, first of all, you get a pre-tax and or tax-deductible contribution when you when you put money in your HSA that's lowering your taxable income. It's like one of those tax-free money from the government things, right. Carrie, right? Secondly, HSA accounts grow tax-deferred. That tax-deferred compounding growth, right? So the longer the money's in there that you're not using it, you're growing compoundedly. You don't have to take out anything out for taxes, right? So all the growth is being reinvested in the HSA, growing more. It's a snowball rolling down the hill. And then, of course, three, withdrawals used to pay for eligible medical expenses qualify as tax-free distributions. You can't get better. Tax-free benefit, deferral, tax-free withdrawals. Yeah. It's like kind of combining the best of IRAs and Roth IRAs. Right. Right. Um, now, um, also there's some, you know, confusion. The H- so obviously HSAs carrier are not like medical savings accounts, like the use it or lose it plans. Right? right. You know, that, that if you, you're, you know, these HSAs are designed to go on in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and not to be used up every year. Now you core, you can, right. You can use it to cover your current, but the, really the, the power of it is that you fund the HSA and it continues to grow that's building a much bigger tax-free pot for you later on in retirement. When And ideally, you would think medical expenses, dental is going to be higher, maybe statistically, as you get older. Okay. Now, and, and actually, so if, you know, so that's one of the planning techniques that not everybody's aware of. For example, if, if you are paying out-of-pocket medical expenses, let's say you have an HSA carry mm-hmm. and you have an out and you have a, you know, you got the dental implant thing going on, right? So you could, you could take money out of your HSA to pay for it, right? And it would be tax-free. But let's say you had enough money sitting around in your savings, you know, your emergency savings or your cash reserve that you, you know, that's not earning a whole lot. It's not getting tax-free treatment. It's not going to cost you anything tax-wise to use. You may instead rather pay, you know, the dentist four thousand dollars out of your, uh, you know, your cash reserve and save the four thousand dollars and let it continue to grow tax-deferred, tax-free in your HSA. Mm-hmm. Save your receipt. Right. Okay. So let's say you're doing that and you're paying the dentist in 2022, save your receipt. All right. Now, especially if you, if you're not going to deduct that out of pocket medical expense on schedule a, cause you can't get over the higher standard deduction right now, you, you put that receipt in your HSA shoebox, And then in later years, when you do have an emergency, um, you can take out the uh, and the amount out of the HSA, even if you don't have a current medical expense, but you've got that receipt that you can use. All right. Um, now, um, now they're all they're also annual contribution limits. So let's go over those quickly, Carrie. So for 2022, if you're in the single plan, it's three thousand six hundred fifty. And by the way, next year that's going up two hundred dollars, three thousand eight hundred fifty. All right. Um, now, but if you're over age 55, there's a catch-up provision. Now, remember, this is age 55, a different catch-up provision than the IRAs, which is age 50. Uh, yeah, again, I'm not here right. to defend the simplicity, logic, or fairness of our tax code carry. Just talking about the rules. Right. right. Um, so there is a, if you're over age 55, there's a thousand catch-up, you know, which could get up to 4,650. And next year, 4,850. Under the family plan, okay, so the current 
Um, current cap is seven thousand and fifty dollars. I'm sorry, seven, not Marie the wrong trying to roll on seventy three hundred dollars. Carry. Okay, so the current contribution cap for 2022 is seven thousand three hundred. This is if you're the family plan. Next year it's going up to seven thousand seven hundred fifty. And again, you have the thousand dollar catch up, um, which stays the same. So you can get up to eighty three hundred or eight thousand seven fifty. Now, what people, a lot of people don't understand too, Carrie, is if you have, so, it, you know, in other words, if both of, if, the, if you have a married couple and you have both attained age 55, you both can do the catch up, Carrie. Even if the spouse isn't working. Well, the key is if, as long as the spouse doesn't, isn't funding their own HSA. Right. So if you have the spouse, in your example, so right. you have the spouse who's working has the HSA, the family plan, and they and now, but their spouse who isn't working mm-hmm. um, is over fifty-five. You can talk to your HSA custodian and say you 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 know you're looking to fund the spousal catch-up. Now that's very tricky, Carrie, right? right? Because the HSAs are individual accounts. There's no such thing as like a joint H- as HSA, right? Right. So if you're going to do that maneuver, we certainly recommend that you coordinate with your HSA custodian and your CPA to cross all the T's and dot on the I's. But we have, we have clued that in for many, many new clients coming into us who are trying to max out their contributions every year and no one had ever told them that. Right. So now, you know, if you're in that family plan, you can make the 8,300 annual cap contribution to 9,300, right? Now, um, now, how do you fund the HSAs? Well, generally, you fund them through payroll deduction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes your company also throws in money to the pot right? as an employee benefit. That counts to that annual cap, Carrie, right? You know, so you have to keep aware of that. And how they keep track of this, you know, if you get look at your W-2, Box uh, box twelve. There's a code W. You know that indicates the employer contributions, including amounts the employee elected to contribute using a Section 125, which is you know a cafeteria plan. But you can also, other than payroll deduction, you can also make direct contributions. Mm-hmm. Okay, where you're just basically writing a check and sending it into the custodian. All right, and, and in fact, you have until April 15th of the year following the calendar year that you want to make a contribution. Similar to IRAs, right. right? So if you missed it or didn't think about it, or maybe you didn't, you have more room to fund it. Yeah, you have the cash flow to do it. Now it's still more tax advantage to fund through payroll deduction than making, you know, because if you're making the contributions, you're sending them a check, Gary. That's kind of already like after tax, right? Right. Because it's sitting in your checking account. Versus right? if you do it from your payroll, you get it's on your W two. You get that pre tax. You get a benefit, right? So you're not paying that, you know, seven point six five percent Social Security right. and Medicare tax, for example. And also, you're you're getting the deduction up front, so so you're not waiting around to get a tax refund or or you know, right? The idea that See, that's sometimes how it works in that period between January 1st and April 15th. The client, we're working with the client and their CPA, we're realizing, yeah, that it, that if you um, if you fund your HSA, you can reduce last year's tax by a certain amount. That's the free money, right, by the government. So they do that, but now they're waiting around for the refund. So if you can do it up front. Right. All right. So those are some of the rules, and 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 I'll talk a little bit more about this um, going yeah, because we that I have more rules, but I want to touch on the um, one of the things is that what you can use the money for, right? And this is what's caused a lot of confusion. So the rule that when can you no longer make contributions is when you go on Medicare, Carrie, right? Even um, if you're still working, even if you're still, so even if you're still working and you're deferring Medicare because you're covered by an employer plan and maybe your spouse is covered by that plan too, maybe you turn sixty five and you always heard at least sign up for Medicare A, mm-hmm. even though you're covered by an employer right, plan because it's free hospitalization. It's free, yeah, there's no premium for Medicare A, and it can act as a secondary insurance to your primary employer insurance. But even doing that bars you from funding the HSA because you're still going on Medicare. And a lot of people don't know that. And also, a lot of times when people do that, they, they sign up for the Medicare A, there's a six-month retroactive coverage for Medicare A. Right. So so if you're if you're making HA contributions in that retroactive six-month that you're going to be covered by Medicare, that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Now, 
Um, so you got to be aware of some of those rules too. But so generally now, now the thing about using the HSA, so there's lots of medical, I'm not going to, I can't obviously have time to go through all the medical things you can use. Um, but, but the idea is you can use under the current law, you can use your HSA to reimburse yourself for your Medicare premiums. Okay. okay whether Medicare B Maybe you're, you're taking Medicare D. No, hold on. Okay. We're talking, you know, Medicare B and D. Okay. Or your meta, if you're using a Medicare Advantage plan right. and there's a premium, you can reimburse under that. What you cannot reimburse yourself for is a Medicare supplemental That's or a Medigap not. type okay. policy. One of those private carriers. You know, and that, that Which confuses Which is strange, our right. Right. Um, now- and you can say, well, Mark, how do I how do I use my HSA to pay my Medicare B and D premiums because they're coming directly out of my Social Security check? Right. Well, no, that's where you when you get that annual benefit statement from Social Security that identifies how much they're going to be taking out of your Social Security check for that Medicare B and or Medicare D. That's your receipt. Right. Okay? And then you're just reimbursing yourself. From your HSA. So if you have some cash flow needs and you can pull money out of that account tax free when needed, if things if you're a little short and not pay, generate any more taxes. So now we get to the Health Savings for Senior Act, which was presented by the House recently. And I have no idea if this thing's ever going to pass, but they're looking to make some changes, Carrie. All right. So one of the things that they want to do is they want to make people who are on Medicare still eligible to fund HSAs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that would be a big change. All right. Um, But there are some drawbacks. In the same time that they're saying, if you're on Medicare, you could still fund HSAs. What they're saying is you, it's going to remove the ability to use your HSA withdrawals to pay for your Medicare premiums. (laughs) So it seems like a waste of time. I mean, we have some other issues they need to address. Why? Yeah. um, You know, it would also uh, eliminate penalty-free withdrawals for non-medical expenses in the 65-year-old and older crowd as now permitted. So, Carrie, right now, if you you use your your HSA for a non-qualified purpose— if you're below 65, there's a 20% penalty, Carrie, and and, ter- and also the taxes are become due on it. It's no longer tax free. You pay the taxes, the, mm-hmm. you know, on it. So, but if you're over age 65, and you use it for a non medical purpose, you don't have to pay the 20% penalty, but it's still taxable. So it's almost acting like an IRA at that point, right? right? But under this new law, they're saying no, they're going to take away that benefit. So. I'll talk a little bit more about this. I hear the music. We got to get out of here. But this is stuff. Now, this isn't law yet. We'll keep an eye on it. And we'll talk more about the advantages of HSS. Right. And call the estate planning team for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. And if you don't have plans, the Ohio Western Reserve National Cemetery after two years is bringing back on Sunday at 10 their Memorial Day ceremony. Very good, Karen. Have a good one. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.